0: Namo Das Bhagavato Harato Sama Das Namo Das Good afternoon, everybody. I want to continue these dhamma talks on uh, jhana. As I mentioned a couple of times already, today I want to spend uh, time uh, talking on uh, hindrances When you hear the very word hindrances, you understand the meaning. I don't think the word needs to be defined and explained in great detail. It is very clear. The mind will be blocked temporarily uh, by certain mental uh, habits. These are, what is called, unwholesome habits. They are not always in our mind, but uh, as a habit, they arise and they uh, block our good intention to proceed with gaining concentration and there are hindrances in uh, attaining concentration or jhanas and even attaining higher spiritual attainment higher than jhanas Therefore, at the very outset, they have to be dealt with very firmly. There are three ways of they are arising. And I uh, give these hints, the list, not for you to memorize and pass your examination and throw it away. When you write down notes before your exam, you read the notes, pass the test, and throw away the notes. (laughs) But this is not like that. These notes should be kept in mind all your life, from now on, (laughs) not to discard. And therefore try to remember the list. They are important, especially when you try to practice meditation. They come handy. <coughs> so you not just uh, check the list. <laughs> like a person uh, jnana list, uh, tick, it, tick them off and uh, at the end you say, oh, I'm done. They are all... I have attained all of them. (laughs) Not that kind of uh, easy uh, dismissal of this uh, list. There are three ways that hindrances uh, arise. All these three ways are common to all hindrances one is unmindful reflection unmindful reflection is called ayonisoh manasikara ayoniso manasikara means uh, not going to the root we are not mindful by going to the root we just scratch the surface superficially and uh, Try to do away with them easily, temporarily. And uh, next time when you sit to meditate, they will arise. And uh, that time also you become, you pay unmindful reflection, unmindful attention. Second is also very important is not listening to right dhamma. You may listen to dhamma, wrong dhamma, wrong advice, and then you can never get rid of your hindrances. So you go to listen to right dhamma, read right dhamma book, have right dhamma discussion, uh, so that you have resourceful of material whenever you need you can pull one by one of your knowledge to use them that is listening to write them not pleasing to write them increase your hindrances. then even more difficult thing <coughs> that uh, is difficult to overcome, Uh, that is uh, associating with wrong people. Wrong people are people who always ridicule your practice and uh, make very uh, Bad remarks and discourage you from practicing. They may appear to be friends in some ways, but not real good friends, and associating with them would increase your hindrances. These are three factors one, unmindful reflection, second, not listening to right dhamma. Third, associating with wrong people. They are not good. They are not good friends. You may think they may pretend to be your good friends, but they are not. So there are five steps that we have to follow in order to overcome. Our hindrances. These are also very important. There is a, a, there are many discourses in the Buddha's teaching dealing with these five methods. <coughs> One. Okay, don't let this brain be your hindrance. (laughs) You must welcome that. Uh, Out of the five, number one, when they are present, when any particular hindrance is present, we must be aware of it. As I said, hindrances are not always in the mind. Due to our unwholesome habits, not listening to right Dhamma by associating wrong people with wrong people. We when we try to practice meditation, those things will support the hindrance to arise. And then when they arise, we become aware of it. Now, this hindrance is there. Then you do something about it. I will give you the ways of dealing with them, but these five steps are always very important. Be aware of their presence and be aware of their absence. That means when we do something about them, they cannot stay in our mind because we are working very hard to fight fight them. To get out of our mind. Then there will be a moment or time that they are not in the mind. So we become aware of that. Now it is now gone. I am so happy. Then they are hiding somewhere in your unmindful moment, they will come back. Then you know unarison hindrance is arisen now. First you got, first it was there, then you become aware of it. You do something and it's gone, and then again they will arise. Second time when they arise, you become aware of the fact that it has come back to your mind. Then fourth, work hard again, hard than before, to get it to them for the second time. So one time it was there, you did something, you got rid of it. Second time they came, then you do something, then you, then they leave the mind. Then the then you know even the second time they left the mind. So this is the fourth step. Then finally once they are left the mind and not coming back again during that session at least become aware of ah now I am happy they are not bothering me any anymore. So remember these five steps. One When they, you you all of a sudden, you don't know why, all of a sudden they appear. Then you become aware of it, that is number one. Then you do something about it, then they fade away, that is number two. And then number three is now you know they are no longer in your mind and you are little happy, relaxed and all of a sudden they appear again, that is the fourth time. Then the fourth time, that means they appear second time. So this time also you become aware that it uh, uh, appeared and then you work very hard and they disappear and then you realize that they are no longer in the mind. Now, <clears throat> so what do you do to get rid of them? Now, these are the five steps that you, have, that you experienced. And I said, you do something to get rid of them. What do you do? There are another five ways that Buddha recommended us to do to get rid of them. So, we should pay attention to that particular unwholesome object not connected with greed, hate and delusion. We should pay attention to a wholesome mental state. That is number one. Not connected with unwholesome things. That means you don't pay attention to it. By not paying attention to something and paying attention to something else, the hindrance will not Right. Okay? So, you cannot hear? Can you? I don't know what to do to make you hear. I don't know whether it is my (coughs) voice problem or your ears problem. It's a brain problem. (laughs) Or both. Uh <coughs> or the problem with the rain anyway uh Okay, now you can hear me. more. Okay. So, number one <coughs> is not paying attention to that particular hindrance but paying attention to the opposite of it. Something wholesome. That is Ignoring it. And Buddha said, when we practice mindfulness meditation, there are certain things that we pay attention to, and there are certain things we should not pay attention to. So this is one of those things that we should not pay attention to. We don't pay attention to everything. That means if something is harmful and uh, we just ignore it and go to the beneficial thing. In this case, hindrance is harmful, so you first try not to pay attention to it and pay attention to opposite of that. Or if it doesn't go away, you examine it very closely scrutinize it. Uh, You may try to analyze it, break it into uh, sections, and then look at them as you break them. And uh, in the first place, you try to pay attention to something else, wholesome, second, you analyze it, third, you let it come, let it come and you just look at it without doing anything, look at it. When you look at it, what you will see the impact of that particular hindrance on you, on your mind. Then look at the impact that you experience. (coughs) That impact is not always conducive to your practice. Then the the fourth way is you give attention to (coughs) stilling thoughts. Stilling thought formation, that means uh, uh, the thought that makes you calm, relaxed, and peaceful. Then the last is when all these fail, then you got to clench your it, uh, and uh, even press your tongue against the upper palate and uh, make great effort to let go of it when all this failed. So these are general principles rules of letting go of hindrances, any hindrance. But there are specific ways to deal with each hindrance. Very specific ways. Hindrances are five. What are they? Number one is desire. We don't ask people who come for short period to meditate, a week, a few days, two, three days, to get rid of their desire completely. It is impracticable, impractical, unachievable within few days. We come for short retreat, and during that time in our meditation we have to deal with our desire. Desire to see pleasant beautiful objects. To hear pleasant sweet music, sounds. To smell pleasant smell; To taste pleasant things to touch pleasant object and to think of something that arises arouses your desire now at, when you try to meditate you remember something that you have seen before beautiful movie beautiful person beautiful scenery, beautiful animal, and so on and so forth, then temporarily you withdraw your desire for those visual objects. Similarly, sound we hear very often. People have difficulties in focusing mind when they remember music songs with beautiful words, beautiful voice. They keep uh, resonating, uh, resounding, repeating in their mind all the time. And that is difficult. So we try to try not to pay attention to it and do something to get rid of that desire for that particular someone. Similarly, smell Taste taste is another very enticing desire, very powerful desire. We remember perhaps the food that we eat here may not be that tasty, but you remember something you ate before you came here, something you like very, very much. Then you are sitting, meditating, uh, watering your mouth, (laughs) thinking of uh, favorite food favorite cookies, favorite ice cream and uh, cakes and so on. And I don't know what you like. All kind of very, very tasty national food, traditional food, different type of uh, gourmet food and so forth, you may remember. And try to, try not to uh, get involved in that desire. Mind you, this is only temporary thing. You know that you can get these foods when you go home. Uh, and they will not disappear. They will you may find even better food after that. Then your sense words are very clear, you you may taste food even better. Then the touch and so on, all these five or oh, particularly five senses, uh, you have experienced beautiful, pleasant things, so this I rise to them. So, <coughs> this is so uh, powerful uh, to remember how powerful it is. Buddh. We remember we go to the Buddha. Similes. Buddha has given a very beautiful simile. Simile is like uh, using uh, borrowed item. When you use some, when you borrow something, and uh, you use it, but all the time there is inside in you there is a thought that you have to return what you have borrowed. So this thought always is there. It is just like using borrowed items. Or you are indebted to somebody. Suppose you have a I don't know whether people do it now, but suppose you borrowed, uh, perhaps you, sometimes you may not uh, be, uh, you may not uh, be able to afford to get a very expensive item. Say for a wedding, you borrow a suit and you wear, to attend somebody's wedding, and when wearing this very expensive, beautiful suit, you walk around, you know, just uh, putting your chest up, show, showing people how expensive your, you know, suit is, and so on, just uh, rubbing your shoulders with every body, uh, then. The one who loaned it to you will come and tap on your shoulder and say, I need this for tomorrow's party. How you feel about it? You feel very embarrassed. Right? So your pride will disappear. Why is that? Because you are using borrowed items. Buddha said, using the desire is like a borrowed, using borrowed item. We are always obliged to do something. obliged to see, obliged to hear, obliged to smell, obliged to taste, and obliged to touch. We have this, we see we, I have to do this. I do this. But the pleasure you enjoy during using it is temporary. (coughs) But at the same time, you know, this pleasure will vanish. It will vanish. That thought you have experienced many, many, many times. Even now, you will experience it. Therefore, always this nagging thought is going on in your mind all the time when we become so obsessed with desire. So, uh, we have to uh, think of the Uh, danger of desire, danger especially in the practice of meditation. Uh, It is always, it blocks our progress. We are agitated, excited and cannot concentrate. Mind is always in a very uh, restless situation until you Fulfill your desires, desires, thing, or desire. Suppose you meditate, suddenly you remember, especially at home, you meditate and to gain with, with great interest, suddenly you remember your very Favorite, juicy, tasty, cake, which is not too far away, it is in the fridge. <laughs> so we are meditating, and um, suddenly you remember it. So there is no any obstructions. You. Slowly get up from your meditation, and slowly tiptoe to the kitchen, (laughs) open the fridge, and eat a piece of cake. And come back, can you meditate? No. Why? You put so much sugar into your body, and body became very excited. An active, lot of energy, you cannot concentrate at all. So there is a word for such a person who tiptoes to the kitchen in the middle of the night to eat a piece of cake. I don't know many people use this word, but I heard that there is a word. The name for such a person, that is uh, Fragitarian, Fragitarian, <laughs> the one who tiptoes the kitchen in the middle of the night to eat a piece of cake is called vegetarian. because it is taken from the fridge. Anyway, <laughs> that kind of desire is that... Uh, dangerous. It completely can destroy your concentration. So the (coughs) symptoms. Symptom is that uh, you get very uh, uh, agitated uh, until you fulfill it. That's a very uh, common symptom. Now, nutriments for this desire, that kind of desire or any essential desire, the, the sign of the beautiful with the eyes, sign of beautiful, with the ears and so forth, we look at the beautiful sign, beautiful in the sense, that is uh, uh, sweet, pleasant, attractive, whether it, it is sound, smell, taste, and so on. Then, that is the first symptom of nutriment supporting this desire the beauty, pleasantness. Second is giving frequent and careless attention. We encourage it, nourish it, just like when we lose our physical strength, physical energy, we eat food, physical food to nourish the body. When this mental state arises, we keep nourishing it by giving unmindful or careless attention. Uh, so it is difficult to get rid of it. Then the solution is uh, three types. There are solution, three types of solutions. Number one, pure attention. Pure attention is just looking at it, total. Uh, attention, mindful attention due to this particular mental state that desire arises whether it is from the eyes, ears, nose and so on just pay attention to it. Number two mindful reflection. Mindful reflection is reflection from the root of this Mental state. How it arose? It arose because, as I mentioned earlier, because of unmindful reflection, uh, not listening to Dhamma, associating with wrong people, and so forth. Associating with wrong people, they always keep encouraging it. So we try to support it. We think uh, uh, so-and-so does it and -and so-and-so says what is wrong with that. That is, there's all reasons for them to justify it and therefore this we remember and then we encourage ourselves to do it. So that is uh, unmindful reflection. Now we do mindful reflection to get rid of it. Uh, When we pay mindful attention, we see it exactly as it is. Then when we do mindful reflection, we think about it. We think, now, I am here for a very short period of time. This time is very precious to me, very valuable to me. I came all the way here. I don't have so much time to take off from my work. And I have so many other mundane obligations and so forth and so on. And try to intensify your practice thinking that this is a very rare opportunity. And I must take advantage of this rare opportunity. I must, I don't, I may be sick. I may be sick and then I cannot meditate. I have to travel, then I cannot meditate. I have to do such and such a thing, then I cannot meditate, and so forth. Mindfully reflect on the opportunity that you have already gained. And the last and most important (coughs) is, you may not uh, uh, do all these things, but Think of the Noble Eightfold Path beginning with understanding. Understanding why we do what we do, why we spend this time. Understanding your suffering, how much suffering we already have. You may use uh, euphemistic terms uh, because you may not like the word suffering, you may use any word stress. So tension, anxiety, worry, and so forth. I am full of them. This is way to think to develop your right thinking. First, we understand right thinking, and then uh, the thought, intention, intention of letting go, and so on, so forth. To keep thinking using every step of the Noble Eightfold Path until you come to right effort, right mindfulness and right concentration. That way, by doing so, during that time, your desire for any kind of thing to hear, smell and so forth and so on temporarily leave your mind. Leave your mind. These are the very beautiful three steps. First, pay pure mindful attention. Second, use mindful reflection. Third, use the steps of the Noble Eightfold Path. This you can do as a thought. Even thinking of Noble Eightfold Path as they are would definitely help us to. Dissuade ourselves from greed, desire, temporarily Then, <coughs> second hindrance. Second hindrance also is very easy to arise. It's a very common thing. What is the second hindrance? <gasps> is uh, sloth and torpor, sleepiness and drowsiness. This is very, very common hindrance. Don't feel uh, guilty about it, if you have it, but understand this hindrance has to be overcome in order to continue the practice. When you, especially when you sit to meditate, this hindrance will not be uh, bothering you any other time. But only when you sit to meditate with all good intention, all knowledge of meditation, you sit to meditate. You follow all the rules and regulations, instructions. Then you find comfortable cushion. It has to be very comfortable. You can, I, 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 sometimes you use uh, one or two or three cushions, uh, one under each knee, uh, one to support, one to sit, and uh, lean something to lean against. Everything is there, everything very comfortable. Uh, maybe place is uh, air-conditioned and no noise. Light is, it is dark. Everything is very beautiful. That beautiful, comfortable situation itself becomes a hindrance. So when everything is so comfortable, you sit quietly, nobody makes any noise. In five minutes your body becomes calm, mind becomes relaxed. Breath becomes calm and relaxed. Everything is very, very good for you to sleep. Then you really, many people say that, you spend one hour and as soon as we ring the bell, you open your eyes and say, I attained the fourth jhana today. <laughs> I did not hear anything, <laughs> did, did not see anything, I did not feel anything. I had the fourth jhana. <coughs> All the time you were like a a tree caught by a wind. (laughs) moving (laughs) down, and then standing, (laughs) (laughs) running and standing, running and standing. (laughs) So that is not desirable thing. That don't, you should not encourage that. You need sleep. But when we come to meditation, we have to remain alert, awake and mindful. So we have to understand this is not meditation. This is a hindrance. Don't try to justify this hindrance. People always say, not only, some people say, I need a good sleep. I have been working very hard. What is the wrong? In sitting on a cushion and sleeping well it is not a sin it is not uh, something that you commit to go to woeful state of existence is not that bad but it definitely obstructs your development of mindfulness and concentration and therefore by all means we must admit that it is a hindrance. So, (coughs) when we have this hindrance, we are very much like in a jail. When we are in a jail, uh, I don't know, I have not been in a jail, perhaps somebody who has been there might notice, uh, might have this experience. You are in, within a four walls, roof and the floor, confined into a small area, without all the other facilities. Not knowing what is going on outside. I don't know whether you have a TV these days in jails and uh, computers in the jail and internet available in the jail, cell phone available. I don't know. But normally, in jails, you don't have any of this access to the rest of the world. You are shut off (coughs) from the rest of the world. When we are asleep, our senses are shut off. Mind particularly is shut off. We don't know what is going on. That is not what we want to do in meditation. We want to stay alert, awake, and get rid of it. Now, the nutriments of sleepiness and drowsiness very good. One is food in the stomach. Second, either you are very tired Physically and mentally, do not have sleeps. Uh, third, you become very sloppy and complacent, just careless. Uh, third and fourth, that you are not uh, maintaining your straight, upright, Posture. Posture has to be upright. I mentioned several times, it is. It must be upright, but not uptight. Straight, and maintain your awareness and alertness not to fall asleep. (coughs) Don't not to be very you know sloppy. These are the the nourishments for sleepiness. (coughs) So, solution. Uh, I give the particular hindrance, its symptoms, a simile, and solution. Four steps. Remember, first is the particular hindrance, Second is the symptoms of it. Third is the simile. The fourth is the solution, how to solve the problem. Solution for sleepiness and drowsiness is number one, mindful reflection. Mindful reflection is very gentle, soft, and uh, it works. If that doesn't work, <coughs> open your eyes and roll your eyeballs and then close your eyes and stay alert. Some people even don't close their eyes because of the fear of falling asleep. If, if that worked for somebody I think it, it, it will be alright, but when you keep your eyes open, don't look far away, but look right in front of you, focusing the eyes on the floor, couple of feet away from you, not looking around. That way perhaps you can stay uh, alert without falling asleep. after rolling your eyeballs and open your eyes and stay there. If that doesn't work, you take a deep breath. Hold it as long as you can. And then again breathe out very slowly. Again you breathe in, hold the breath, and breathe out very slowly. When you do it several times, your body warms up, you may even perspire, your sleepiness will disappear. If that doesn't work, pinch your earlobes with thumb and index finger hard enough to feel the pinch. Not chicken out. <laughs> Hold it very tight. So you feel the pinch and your sleepiness will But don't use your fingernails. That might hurt your earlobe. You do it hard enough so that your sleepiness will fade away. Then, if that doesn't work, you stand up and do standing meditation. And then sit down. If that doesn't work, get up and walk. When you do walking meditation, it is very unlikely that you fall asleep. If you do that, that will be very dangerous. And then, if that doesn't work, wash your face with cold water. And that sometimes works. Uh, If none of this works, go and have a nap. That would Eventually, work. So this is how we go to get rid of that hindrance of sleepiness. Then the next hindrance is doubt. Doubt. uh, There are two kinds of doubts. One is doubt is, of course, very natural, normal thing. When we don't understand certain things, uh, when things are not very clear to us. Uh, we have doubt, nothing wrong with that, but there are two types of doubts, one is this kind of doubt, doubt that you want to, uh, uh, things are not very clear, so you want to get it clarified. That's a good kind of doubt, that sometimes we call uh, intellectual doubt, and that uh, uh, even Buddha encouraged, you have to reason to doubt. And doubt it, and ask questions. You can get them clarified. Other doubt is skeptical doubt. Skeptics never accept anything, uh, any ans- any 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 answer to their question. Uh, they always, when you they ask, when they ask a question, you answer it. While you are answering, they are not interested in your answer they are interested in next question so you give very good answer to that question then the person would not be interested in the answer at all then think of the next question so the people who are keep kim, kim, who are always asking questions without any uh, accepting any answer are called uh, sceptical or perpetual doubters. Now, uh, symptoms. (coughs) Symptoms of doubt is uncertainty. Uh, When things are not sure, not clear, doubt arises. That is very normal, natural. Symptoms of doubt. The simile is just like you are in a desert. When you are in a desert, you don't know where to go. There is, There are no road signs, no people to ask, and so you are confused. When you come to similar state, you have doubt. Then, nutrients of doubt, is, again, unmindful reflection. Unmindful reflection of the instructions, advice, guidelines, the, the dhamma about all these things, they don't pay mindful attention, they don't have mindful reflection, they always have unmindful reflection. Therefore, their uncertainty, uh, unclarity, doubt always remains in their mind. Then the solution is mindful reflection. Uh, Then uh, uh, when you mindfully reflect, of course for that you have to have certain degree of mindfulness, understanding to reflect to clarify your doubt. And we have to have faith in the Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha and moral principle, dependent origination and so forth. These are very noble things to use to get rid of our doubts. Uh, Trusting the Buddha is a wonderful thing because Buddha never lied. Whatever Buddha said, whatever the Buddha said from the day he attained enlightenment till he passed away, whatever he said is true. Nobody can refute it, reject it and come up with any reasons to dispute him. If people say such-and-such Buddha said, there may be questions. When somebody said Buddha said such-and-such, we don't know that. But what the Buddha himself said is always true. For instance, Buddha repeatedly mentioned that there are four noble truths. These four noble truths, nobody can reject, refute, and deny. That is true. So when we trust the Buddha, we trust his teaching, the four noble truths. And we trust the disciples who followed the Buddha's teaching and attained enlightenment, we trust them. So we trust the Buddha, his teaching Dhamma, and the noble community of Sangha who attained the state of enlightenment by following his instructions. So when we have this, our doubt will completely vanish from our mind. And this is (coughs) the solution. Now, there are, friends, Two more hindrances, I don't have time to explain all of them now. Tomorrow I finish, then there will no more any hindrances in your mind. You will be fully cleared your way to attain jhanas and then be sure of it tomorrow.